Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, November 28th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Biggest highlight of my day was getting a Costco run that's been overdue for like a good two weeks. I've only got about three weeks left and like living alone with a three-week timeline. uh, There's certain things you just can't buy at Costco. And that was a little rough, but probably good for the wallet. And I think I've managed pretty well, right? That was my only real Black Friday. Well, I bought some running shoes as well, but not a lot of Black Friday shopping for me. So that also kind of helped me iron out whatever regrets I had, like holding back over the weekend. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. I think all my Black Friday shopping was on gas this weekend. <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn't buy anything, but did the uh, the drive out to Kingston from London and then on Ooh. to Ottawa at night for a wedding. Definitely feeling that a little bit today. Uh, long weekend, but but fun and yeah, another long day of work as all the uh, Americans, our friends mm. there, came out of Thanksgiving hibernation and are now two days behind. So uh, busy Monday for me, but nice to finally close the laptop, open a new one, jump on the Zoom call with you, my friend. Now I feel really bad for crunching (laughs) into this Monday, but oh well. Um, Though the benefit of that is we have the entire weekend to look back on, not having to do it right in the tail end. All that, that said, I think it will be a bit of a quicker one here. Yes, sir. Yeah, we got football at the top, uh, basketball, tennis talk, maybe led by Owen for once. <laughs> weird, weird. Uh, and, and a little bit of hockey to finish this up. But uh, the NFL slate was great this week as a whole, uh, obviously starting off with some great Thanksgiving football. Uh, I did lose that Thursday night prediction. Just just looking back on that one uh, as as the Vikings. Kirk Cousins had a primetime performance of a lifetime and and came in and, and played much better than I had anticipated. And maybe that's what happens when I don't do the full analysis and just kind of throw out the take. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like he like held water. He treaded water. He did what he needed to do. He found his pieces. Um, the special teams collapse for the Patriots seemed to be one of the bigger takeaways from the night too. Not only a kick return um, field or touchdown, which I think is the first one the Patriots have allowed since 2011 or something. Uh, so that was a big momentum killer for the Patriots after they'd just gotten a touchdown on the first drive of the second half. And also when they find ground uh, the Vikings offense to a stop somewhere late in the fourth quarter uh, on a punt return, the, he interfered with the punter and gave the Vikings a whole new first down and i think they turned that into a successful field goal drive which is good enough for the win in such a tight game so nice job by the vikings treading water but a bit of a collapse on the patriots part as well that's that's pretty new territory for patriots fans it's been 22 years now of bill belichick uh master class it's just discipline and and no mistakes are two things that those teams have always been known for and the patriots winnable game they dropped to six and five just on the outside looking in of that wild card picture that's one maybe they're going to want back moving forward the chuckler or the commentators chuckling quite a bit trying to imagine what the monday film meeting was going to look like 
Yeah. Yeah. If there's one thing we know is that Bill Belichick, they, they, I, they, they will not take a single penalty next week. Uh, <laughs> it's something you could maybe bet on. Uh, yeah, great Thursday slate and and played into a nice little Sunday here as well. Uh, the Bengals and the Titans played uh, a low-scoring kind of slugfest affair. And Joe Burrow's starting to get a little bit of that swagger back. They'll have Jamar Chase likely back next week. And with a upset win by the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Baltimore Ravens, the Bengals now vault themselves into a tie for first place in the AFC North after a slow start. And they're riding some momentum, looking really great. A 20 to 16 win. If you take out, now this is super cherry picking stats, but if you take out their two worst games of the year through 11 weeks, their offense is allowing less than five points per game in the second half. Their defense? Sorry, their defense. So it's been a long day. <laughs> and uh, just shows that they're great at making those second half adjustments. And they have a underratedly talented defense and that was part of the piece that helped them make it so deep in the playoffs last year all the way to Super Bowl is they really shut down Mahomes and the Chiefs in that AFC championship game and obviously a couple of mistakes made by the Chiefs and uh the the late probably field goal they could have taken but they tried to get Hill in there he stopped and they run out of time uh but the the Bengals defense is starting to get their swagger Joe Burrow starting to get his swagger and no Mixon and no Chase, and those guys will be back. Uh, this this Bengals team are sh- is shaking off the Super Bowl hangover rust, and and they're ready to make another run here towards the end of the year. Another one uh, to keep an eye on here was the Buccaneers and the Browns, and the Cleveland Browns keep their slim slim season hopes alive. Uh, they're still not mathematically out of it at four and seven, but they'll have to catch a seven and four team currently in the standings. And they're hoping that Deshaun Watson can provide a spark, but who knows what he'll be like coming off over a year of not playing football. And they get this must win game uh, over the Buccaneers in overtime. <sighs> Tampa uh, just did not look good. Uh, the Browns defense loves giving up the run, and the Buccaneers could not get the run game going. We thought they had something after the Germany win against Seattle, but could not get it done uh, yesterday. And Tom Brady looked old and made some really poor throws in this one. So we keep piling the dirt on and digging Tom's grave every couple of weeks, and then he'll come back and show us something. The Buccaneers still right in the thick of that NFC South division lead and they're still likely the front runner to win that division but they'll be up against a really tough matchup in the first round if they do so and they keep showing the performances like this it it might be a pretty embarrassing tail between the legs re-retirement for for tb12 (laughs) kansas city chiefs la rams the marquee game uh of last year uh, ended up kind of the way we thought. Not so much a blowout as I would have thought, but a relatively easy win for the Chiefs. And they did try to give this game away, but just the Rams had no talent left on the offensive side of the football uh, and couldn't get it done without Cooper Cup. And I think the highlight of this one was the Rams player putting on his helmet and running out on the field and just smoking Sean McVay, who was walking by, lit him up. Uh, uh, looked like McVay was going to pass out right there on the sideline and kind of just sums up the season they've been having. That moment may have shaken him enough 
to say, what am I doing on the sideline? Where am I? I should be in the TV studio. I just won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so did he have like the helmet blocking his eyes as this happened or like that's yeah he was putting was his helping. helmet on as he ran out on the field and then just mm-hmm. headbutted sean mcveigh <laughs> sweet chin music right to his the side of his face yeah <laughs> beautiful like you, just beautiful you can drag that out for like five seconds of fumbling with the helmet and that's parody turned into real life it's exactly what it looked like exactly what it looked like and then our night game here the eagles make their playoff case as a team that when the tough gets going and it gets cold, they can run the football with the best of them all over the ground on the Green Bay Packers and and punch them in the mouth. And they were able to do enough to get to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, who came into the game tonight after Rodgers goes down with an injury. Uh, the Eagles just showing that they can win in multiple ways. Jalen Hurts had over 100 yards rushing in the first quarter. Uh, Packers just looked underprepared coming into that game. And it's a loss that really ends their hopes, probably, of making it to the playoffs. Haven't seen it in a while where the Packers look this sorry. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, Bears coming up next weekend, might want to sit this one out because it used to be a guaranteed win every time they played Chicago. But if he's hurt and your team's down, maybe not worth putting your record on the line. And then we'll truly get a look at what Jordan Love looks like, which would be interesting. That's going to do it for the Football Fan Cave. Uh, Fantasy MVP, Josh Jacobs. I think it's the second time I've given it to him this week, but he ran for 230 yards uh, for the Raiders and walked it off in overtime and single-handedly won my my week in fantasy this week in the office. I took down the number one seed in the league, which is a big one. Felt good. Felt good. Uh, And then, of course, tonight, Monday, Steelers, Colts, over under for this max, if you had to guess, uh, and, like uh, total points scored or yes, the, total the points margin. scored. And I'll tell you, normally it averages around anywhere forty two to forty five. Uh, thirty five, thirty nine. Okay, but anytime you get under forty, that's when you know it's the yuck zone. Kenny Pickett, Matt Ryan. A uh, couple of solid defenses. This The ball is not going to move in this one. And take the over on punts and <laughs> take the under on the rest of the yards scored and, and possessed in this game. Put some money on a defensive touchdown. That might be a good good value play. Uh, but yeah, will be a yucky one. I guess I got to go with the Steelers because this is just a game that they win and Mike Tomlin's never been below 500 it looks like this will be the first year but if if they want to have any chance of not doing that then they've got to win this one tonight so Steelers over the Colts tonight all right I did neglect my basketball homework Uh, I wanted to do another clip breakdown on this double team that won the Raptors of the game because they're starting to stress me out. But from the tone, I think you liked it. Yeah, the double teams are definitely stressful and weren't very effective with for them throughout the game. But this is what you got to do when Luca can hit a triple step back, one-handed fadeaway from the 40-foot line, right? Like, you just got to get the ball out of his hands. And what I really saw about this double team, specifically at the end of that game versus the other ones they had been doing, is they force the pass out of the double team towards the paint, towards the rim, because you're up by three. You don't want to double team 
kind of flat and make him swing the ball. They double teamed and covered the passing lane so that he had to throw a bounce pass. I think it was into Kaliba mm-hmm. uh, around the free throw line. And then he had to kick it out as the Raptors rotated. And in the end, a uh, bad pass by Tim Hardaway Jr. gets picked off and they win it. I just thought it was great execution uh, on the initial double team, even though it's killed them in the past and killed them in that Dallas game earlier in the season. Dallas is one in five in their last six, and you want to get the ball out of their best players' hands and, and let them shoot themselves in the foot, and they were able to do that. I thought it was good execution at the end. It's a good game plan for a bad team, but I feel like it's so linear and predictable that if a team really expects them in the practices and knows it's coming, uh, like Eba had space and Boucher wasn't guarding the net yet when he caught it. Like if he takes that to the net, I guarantee he's getting the foul call. Also, um, it was tight, but like as Boucher came off, there was a moment where Dinwiddie was sitting wide open for the corner three. Uh, Juancho kind of sitting in no man's land between, I think he had Bullock or maybe it was Hardaway and Finney Smith. But like it worked because Kleba isn't a guy who can make good decisions with the ball under pressure. But I feel like the more we become known as that consistent double team team the more teams are going to work on this in preparation heading into the raptors games and if all the guys on the court are ready for it and thinking about making that pass it's gonna shoot us in the foot more often than not in my i'd like to see it used a bit more unpredictably yeah and and that's the beauty of what nick nurse has brought to this raptors team is obviously guys out right now but the versatility to say we maybe don't have our all of our best defensive players or all of our starters, at least like no Pascal, no Scotty, no Gary, no Otto Porter, a bunch of guys who can switch and fly around. Then the double team is something you got to use a little bit more. But then as teams prepare for that, you can get back to a little bit more of the stay at home or switch defense or uh, hedging it and then retreating back that just have so much flexibility with the lineups that they provide that I don't mind selling out especially in this situation, just get it out of Luca's hands consistently. Yeah, I mean, Luca, a very, very special player and somewhat unique case. But I don't think I agree with the overall theme of that point because for the double team to work, all of the team has to be on the same page, moving on a thread, uh, like unanimous in their decision-making. And if you have guys coming in and out of the lineup with less experience in nurses' systems, the likelihood that there's going to be communication breakdown, something goes wrong, and a wide-open shot that gen- is a way easier make than a more traditional straight-up uh, one-on-one coverage would bring you, uh, throughout a game that can do a lot of damage. And I think We've seen that at times with this patchwork lineup through the season. Everyone except Reggie Bullock. He has been dreadful. Actually, Mavs team has been dreadful recently, and Hmm. they're looking to stem that with the signing of Kemba Walker, um, which may help minor, in a minor sense, offensively, because he'd still be able to knock down an open jumper, which is really all you need to do beside Luka but their defense hasn't been good enough to bring in a guy who's consistently going to get torched on that side of the floor. So not really sure. I guess they're searching for another Brunson type player, uh, a point guard who can give you some scoring, but I, I think this Mavericks team needs to look for 
a little bit more defensive oomph. And if you can't find that, then maybe a larger size multi-level score. But they've given up a lot of picks, and this team's not in a great spot. It, it feels... Uh, some people are making the comparison to the early LeBron Cavs teams where he was just so, so good to to raise the floor, right? That you're missing out on the draft picks that can truly help ascend your team. I hope that was a compliment to me saying that last week. But uh, yeah, I, I like to the upside and downside, very predictable of bringing in Kemba where you boost the offense. But like this team hasn't been fantastic on defense so far so one way to look at it is like well it's already bad how much worse can it like there's going to be a couple more but at least we'll keep up in the scoring and you hope that the way luke has been playing if that continues like as long as your team's within single digits or close double digits like come the fourth quarter he can get in there and bring it up so just trying to lift those offensively dead zones in the game whereas the defensively dead zones are already pretty consistent and maybe Kemba won't bring it down that much further though I, I think they are just great like taking the dregs from the barrel that they can get without over committing overspending trading away too much and uh we'll see but a tough strength of schedule ahead for the Mavericks so John Wall can revive his his career in LA. Maybe Kemba will be able to do the same uh, in the Big B. Now, breaking news: Pascal Siakam available for tonight's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll see if he actually plays. Maybe he'll come off the bench, but that's a big win for the Raptors to get back here. Big game tonight against Cleveland. Uh, as as some of the other East teams in the middle of the pack continue their pace or start to wake up aka the Brooklyn Nets so big one tonight for the Raptors to try and inch their way closer towards that top of the Eastern Conference yeah the heat on the up side as well the 76ers seem to be gaining momentum and that's with like their best players injured so can easily see them looking like the team they were supposed to look like before the start of this season in the next month or two uh and you need to be at least at an even starting point with those guys when they take off for the wraps yeah um quickly wanted to touch on the lakers because we haven't done that much at all this podcast four and five in their last five but those are wins against the pistons the spurs and the nets uh with the loss coming to the suns ad starting to look a lot more like his old self when he's back in the lineup though and lebron had one of his statistically most consistent shooting nights like of his career going about 10 for 10 from the free throw line and something like 9 of 11 from the three-pointer uh, he does that every once in a while automatic against a spurs team that has not a lot of defensive chops it seems like there's a ghost of hope for some hope about this Laker team still having a chance. Uh, I saw a headline today about like belief in the locker room from the leaders. Wonder who those could be, that they're one trade away from becoming a serious contender. And I was going to throw it in when we were talking about Rogers, but I don't know if you saw that LeBron quote about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't, I don't think so. Oh, it, it was like a week or two ago, but he said like kind of pointedly when you have a transcendent, 
transcendental player like that. I don't understand why as a front office you wouldn't use your first round picks to go surround him with the talent they need. Yeah, when's the last time a LeBron team's had a first round pick? Yeah. Um it, it would I can't like if they completely mortgaged their future maybe and like gave up Westbrook for cap space. I still don't even know if I see it because Westbrook has like improved since that like really chaotic first period and is providing some like significant contribution to their wins and stats these days. Uh, if they don't have those, like I don't know how you fix what's wrong and still fill in the gap. Yeah, they just don't have much to trade besides those picks. And that feels kind of non-negotiable at this point. Like they, they're already in hell for the next five, six years. It's about like how long do they extend the window of hell at this point, which for a play-in team. Yeah. <laughs> However, yeah, the but... West is pretty flat right now across mm-hmm. the top. But yeah. The top teams doing worse than expected. The Kings doing better. Uh it really is interesting and we'll probably see the that like takeoff and separation come at some point in the next month or two as other teams like the luka mavs kind of punching above their weight class and consistently like adding to the stagnation yeah 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 Yeah. uh looking forward to it i got my league pass subscription renewed during the black friday offer so i guess that was the other thing that the money got spent on there um so looking forward to watching that and i do have to shout out ad's run and play recently he had four or five 30 15 games in a row um only a matter of time before he gets hurt but he's been great and i don't know what happened last year but he's definitely turned things around and and gotten back to that spot that we all thought he could be at a top 15 20 maybe even top 10 player at his very best so uh, shout out AD, and he'll need to play like that most of the year for the Lakers to uh, crawl their way back into this playoff race. When you touched on the other reason, it's risky to make a trade. Like, what if you go do that, and then and LeBron the or both of the guys are out for a good chunk of the yeah. season anyway? LeBron hit 45,000 total points in his career last night, and what, at, what he's at 50,000 minutes. Like, there's only so much one person can do. All right, we have a bit of a change of pace up ahead here. A tennis game that I saw none of and Owen saw plenty of. Until Um, Sportsnet turned off the satellite. I don't know if you heard about that. No, Jesus. Last two games of the second set of the Felix match. We didn't even get to see him win it. They lost satellite satellite feed. That's pretty embarrassing. But Canada wins its first Davis Cup ever probably with the best one-two punch at the tournament. No Shapo loses the first two matches of the quarters and semis. Uh, no messing around on this one, just one-two, Shapo Felix, and Canada takes it 2 nothing over Australia. What did you see? Yeah, uh, I only watched the Felix match, but it was pretty exciting and in the end pretty convincing. Um, I think commentators and and. The beginning of it saw a little bit more balanced matchup with uh, Felix, and then it was Alex de Menor, uh from from Australia in that one. 
the announcers say it best is this demon our kid he's a roadrunner was the term that they used he loves going side to side he plays incredible defense and felix had to make consistent quality shots uh in his service games especially and couple shaky moments where he was down love 40 15 40 but always managed to come through force a deuce uh and then come up with a big server too when he needed to and and never got broken even though it seemed many times he would his great resilience shown by felix and then just look for his opportunities uh playing defensively the other way one thing that manauer didn't have against Felix was a, a powerful serve to really send him reeling. And he was able to get a couple of good quality returns uh, and and capitalize on those with some powerful forehands. Uh, thought Felix did a good job of mixing up at times what he was attacking with, a couple of drop shots in there just to change the rhythm and pace. But overall, nothing overly special about this match, except that Felix was able to deliver those consistent shots to keep Manau running, um, not let him recover too much. It's one thing to be able to play defensive tennis and chase down all of these balls, but uh, you're waiting for your opponent to somehow mess up being in the dominant position and being able to capitalize on that. And Felix didn't give uh, Manau any windows to to start to crawl back into this one and needed just one break in both sets and, and managed to get the job done. Didn't get to see the, the finality of it, but Saw the videos after in a pretty special celebration and what 109 years in the in the making, uh, maybe the the pivotal moment in in Canadian tennis history. Uh, another pivotal moment on that Sunday potentially overshadowed it, but we'll see uh, not only the growth of tennis in Canada, but uh, in addition to soccer, but uh, as well, yeah, just really cool moment for the kids and they're just getting started. Yeah, it feels like there have been a lot of breakthrough moments in Canadian tennis the last 10 years or so. Uh, Felix going eight for eight, saving break points in that match. And I don't think he dropped a single set in the three matches he played this week. Uh, simply another phenomenal week in what's been a, a career highlight fall from him. Uh, so great to see it and so excited for what this momentum means going forward into next year. Yeah, get get your uh, Aussie Open cards ready. Hopefully he can keep the form going. All right, finish up here with some talking hockey. I believe the Leafs are up against the Red Wings tonight as they get to try and keep their mini little streak here going. Um, it's been a nice stretch of games despite the roster concerns and injury troubles uh, as, as the Leafs, yeah, in Detroit tonight and have have earned a point now in their last seven eight <laughs> last eight so uh and i believe it's six oh and two in that stretch so um a, a really solid pace that they're setting trying to catch up to boston at the top of the division but the big thing for them is just how long is this patchwork decor going to get sit up and and maybe that's credit to sheldon keefe who has as much as the Leafs have been troubled by their defensive struggles in the past, they have looked better than they did under previous coaching. Like just their goalies, like Campbell got his big contract, right? Anderson looked pretty solid for that year there. Uh, obviously, Mrazek and, and 
and now Matt Murray have have looked decent in front of the, or behind the Leafs defense that has never boasted the most stout uh, core. But the systems they play seem to be working for the most part, and and they did enough again uh, to stifle the Minnesota Wild, and then they just ran over the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday uh, with Matt Murray coming up huge late in the Minnesota game, and then Shawgren not tested too heavily. Um, it's it's been nice to see the Leafs have this little stretch that we said they might go on, and it didn't really feel like yet that this was their magical run that they do but it it seems to be the beginning of it potentially and hopefully they can keep that going because detroit is right behind them in in the standings there uh the the biggest guy we got to see show up and he did score on saturday is is austin matthews you're wondering if he's battling an injury just hasn't on that same torrent pace still scoring uh at a decent clip but you expect him to be near if not the top of the league in goals at this point in the season and he just hasn't quite lived up there uh but who knows all it takes is one pretty special play to get that guy rolling and with Marner on his 16 game point streak and Tavares and Nylander contributing at a solid level they haven't needed him to step up yet so maybe that's what's good it's going to end up being as the Leafs take a step back but Matthews takes two steps forward and continues to carry them on this run yeah I, I think also the which of Nylander Marner probably changing his comfort and familiarity a little with it this in a year I think where he did talk about wanting to emphasize his performance on the defensive side of the game you can only set career bests and break your own records consecutively for so long before you just can't reach any higher unless maybe you're Connor McDavid <laughs> um, so yeah I, I as long as he's making good plays on the puck and generating offense, you have confidence that some of those slot one-timers will start beating the goaltenders uh, in a game of millimeters. I liked the forecheck his line generated for the game winner against Minnesota, though uh, Bunting and Nylander doing most of the heavy lifting on that one. And one more time, just wanted to shout out Matt Murray that game because he made three huge saves. Uh, the biggest one coming with less than 10 seconds left after uh, we saw some of the downsides of or the youth and inexperience of this defensive core showing with Sandine and Lilligren disjointed. Um, I liked what Sandine was doing, trying to circle back, hold on to the puck, kill the last 30 seconds, especially when momentum's not on your side. The Wild already had one empty net goal, uh, but you've got to make sure of it when you make little risky passes off the boards like that, or else it's going to bounce out, turn it over. Kaprizov gets everything behind it, but luckily he can't place it quite where he wants to and goes pretty near center of the net, though Murray still does a fantastic job reacting and sliding across to take it away. Uh, so thank you, Matt Murray, for that avoiding overtime in that one and getting us two points instead of one. Uh, last thought was it's looking like the glass half full side of things on all those overtime losses so far. When you mentioned the point streak and when you can look at the season with we've gotten points in 75 to 80 percent of our games, you feel pretty good about the season so far, at least for me. Yeah. That's uh, really all you can ask for early on as the, the long dredge of the NHL season is still very early on. All right. I think that's it.
yeah, I think we we knocked this one down, tackled it well. We'll talk to everyone on Thursday. Thursday will be the first day of December, Max. I don't know when we hit the two-year mark, but we definitely hit it at this point. Um, I'm just glossing over and not thinking about that last comment of yours, and I'm going to continue to go la-la-la in my head for a good another five minutes. Thank you for listening, everybody. Sports Next Door signing out.